Welcome to Video Game Cast, <laughs> Anime Archives. But today we're uh, doing another mini sold, but talking about. I'm gonna still calling it mini sold, but sometimes these take uh, just as long. We're just doing a fun little episode uh, talking about Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, a game we both uh, beat pretty recently. Yeah. Um, and it got it's pretty critically acclaimed at this point. It yes. got high reviews across the the mark, and it's set in a. A setting that, of course, it's really interesting for both Ernest and I. For sure. So I was pretty excited to dive into this because we've been uh, looking at this game for a few years. Yeah. I mean, they announced uh, it a few years ago. Yeah, I want to say like 2017, 2018. I just liked how uh, it definitely, I liked seeing these trailers when they give little snippets and my idea of what the game would be and what it, what the final project turned out to be. Uh, very fascinating. Uh, before we jump into like talking about characters and the act, at least. Uh, what setting of voice actor do you play on? Do you play in Japanese or English? I played in Japanese the whole time. Japanese, same. Yeah. Especially I love when they release uh, that patch to make the subtitles bigger. The subtitles were small first. I needed to be bigger to cover the screen. Cause sometimes I was literally had to look at the subtitles and not the actual cutscene because how small it was. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's jump into it. Um, so the character, the, the story of Ghost of Tsushima is basically Mongols invading the island of Tsushima and the samurais of that island trying to stop the invasion and end it all. And our main character is Jin Sakai. And he is an honorable samurai who fails in the beginning of trying to stop this invasion that kind of takes over the island pretty quickly uh, from the Mongols. And that's our point of view right now and how... How the story deals with conflict of him remembering his honorable code as a samurai and what you should do in order to stop an invading force that doesn't abide by those same rules. Mm-hmm. Who are the, who are not just bandits, but are the organized fighting machine that are not only uh, brutal in its fighting, but also smart in its tactics and how it does things. I think a powerful quote uh, from the main antagonist of the show Kotun Khan is that uh, he picks villages to uh, uh, maintain and other villages to burn by how people act and stuff. It's because some people can join your side and integrate and other other villages are too stubborn that you burn it down to the ground and how that works. Um, but yeah, uh, what, what was uh, your initial thoughts at, at the beginning of Ghost of Tsushima? So I thought what Ghost of Tsushima did well was, I guess, uh, the intro first. Yes. Because what they did was they set, they put a quick setting. They didn't need to give you too much of a heavy, heavy backstory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You knew the Mongolians were attacking. And all the samurai had to meet on this beach to uh, kind of start uh, terms of whether, you know, there's going to be war or not. And immediately within the first five minutes, you see exactly the difference in how they operate. Mongolians are, we will win at all costs, regardless of rules, whereas Samurai is very similar to um, Britain uh, in terms of they have rules for their engagement. They have a form of honor system or a form of this is how a battle or battlefield should work out. And nowadays, there's nothing like that. It's kind of like a free-for-all. You do what you can when you can so that you can uh, defeat your opponent. Yeah, I think... And there, there's certain big leagues, like if we're going by modern times, that have certain rules of engagement because of or, uh, us allyships and stuff. But I think uh, you said it perfectly, how this game sets up, how the Mongols are different than when uh, one of the be- 
first beginning scenes is uh, one of the, our strongest samurai going down to the beach to face uh, the leader and says, hey, I'm here to challenge your leader in an honorable way to fight. And the guy just drops down the horse, the main antagonist, Kodokan drops off his horse, throws fire on the guy. Like First uh, he spits a bunch of alcohol, yeah, alcohol on him. On him yes. Then he catches his ass on fire. And, and then you're like, oh. And cuts the guy's head off. When the guy won an honorable duel. To see, he's like, hey, we don't play by these rules. And then immediately after, ordered pretty much his people to attack and start the bombardment of that beach. Yeah, of throwing. Which killed all the main samurai. One biggest thing I saw about this game is... This game has a lot of... It's open world, so I'm going to talk about the difference between... If you how much uh, how much open world is good or and how much is bad? Because sometimes I feel like open world takes a lot away from certain things, especially from cutscenes. But we'll talk about it a little later. But one big thing that it does to show the devastation of how powerful the Mongol invasion was was showing all these dead bodies and how these people were killed. And all I was thinking sometimes, or at least when I saw like samurais and stuff, was like, and a, there's an interesting article that talked about this. Is like who's going to clean this up? I wish there was like some small things where you you know buried some of these people or maybe realistically um, yeah. it would be the peasants and they'd probably end up burning them yeah yeah you there were some things where you burned somebody to give some people honorable death uh like some side quests where a guy's wife and kid got tricked and got murdered mm-hmm. and uh you gave a they gave them a little funeral but yeah um i just thought it was Sometimes you see the devastation in real with that imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I wanted to say real quick uh, some of the moving things of this open world game. That not sure if you knew this, but you know the guiding wind that is your you know your uh, wayfinder to get get to places. Uh, it's uh, looking at a website that was talking about it. I guess the guiding wind is a personification of uh, Jin's father, uh, Kazumasawa Sakai. The wind, the wind that blows, it's like your father guiding you to locations. Is that what you think? That that's what the web, the fandom website said. Huh? Julie said it's a personal location. Uh, and the yellow bird that sometimes takes you to places. Yeah, that's supposed to be the personal location of Jin's mother. The yellow what? bird. Huh? My spiritual things. They don't really mention Jin's mother through like most of the game. They they meant the only time they mention it was like when you're with Maid uh, Yuriko mm-hmm. and. Uh, just that small cutscene after your father's death, like now that you're the last of your clan and stuff, but it's definitely very small. Um, so the main big thing of this story is like it's Jin's journey from being an honorable samurai to a ninja. And I want to ask you is like, do you believe before we start jumping into each act and breaking it down, um, did you feel like this story from your perspective was believable of showing? Uh, him going from a samurai being very bounded and dutiful to becoming uh, almost like a ninja or ghost of Tsushima. I think it was definitely believable. And the reason why is because uh, when I went to Japan and I went to a couple of the temples or a couple of the palaces Mm. and you get kind of a historical background of how the generals acted, how they interacted with each other and how often they killed themselves just due to dishonor just due to in a lot of those situations they had no control in either it showed how valuable they treated the concept of honor over there and how important it really was to them so when you have that and that's your mentality for your whole life and 
you now have to go completely against that. I do see how tough and why he asked so many questions about himself and why he had to reflect on it so much because it's so unconventional. It's so different. And when you have somebody you also idolize that's saying this is the only way you do it, uh, the Japanese aren't exactly known for going against their parental figures or superiors. That's not. They really count on, like, order, for instance, and rank. And so it's like you have the people that did not that weren't bound by honor the thieves and everyone else and they're the ones who gave you the unconventional methods Mm. but the samurais at that point were incredibly limited because of they had to work in a very rigid structure and so seeing other the other samurais interact with him asking questions be like hey that's not really normal make sure you don't stray from the path don't become the ghost Mm -hmm. like you can use it you can do this but don't let this change your identity as a human and how you value life. I think it was definitely believable, yeah. at least in terms of um, what I was able to pick up. What about you? Yeah. I, I liked, uh, I agree, I would agree with you. I liked even the moments where when you chose to use certain ghost weapons and stuff that wasn't honorable, uh, that there was, when you first did it, that you would hear a voice and remember your uncle saying, we're, we act as honor, we don't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, little cutscenes that were able, like uh, when I, First shot an enemy in the back of the head with an arrow, you know, not not facing him in, in the eyes and stuff, not you know calling him out. How that affected, or when you first use poison darts or something like that, those things to you know devastate enemies real quick. Um, I even though I I knew I knew when we made the poison darts and we were gonna make one more, I knew the other one was gonna be my favorite dart that I always use in Assassin's Creed, being the berserk one where your guys I love that to one. <laughs> I like to use you it. You do two or three yeah. of those and you're like i'm gonna have a good time watching especially this. on the strongest enemies i always pick the strongest guys oh yeah the, like the brutes. camp and then i run up on them yeah. yeah run up and just do my thing uh but yeah let's let's jump into the act so let's talk about first let's talk about act one act two and act three so the first act was rescuing lord uh shimoru um what was your experience in the initial part of the game because it's this game is a lot like how Senate, uh, Grand Theft Auto used to do it, where you do like different parts of the city where the story contained, mm-hmm. where you move up to the big world. For the first part, you start on the initial island where you are defeated, and now rising from the ashes after being saved by the girl Yuna, you decide to uh, find allies in order to save your rescue your uncle, who is the lord of the islands, who is supposed to you know protect it uh, from uh, Kohan uh, Khan. Khan. Just from the Khan. I'm just going to call him Khan. The Khan. Sorry, I don't butcher it. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what was your initial perspective of the first act? So the first act was like the first act of any, any open world game. Yeah. It kind of opens you up. It gives you the run-of-the-mill standard fetch quest. Go explore here. Check that out. Um, I thought it was a beautiful world in terms of the introduction. The music was really beautiful. I liked the way, for instance, you know, the wind would guide you. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. I like how you could see smokestacks in the distance. So you had like a real perspective of where you are and where you were allowed to go. Yeah. And I thought they littered it with a bunch of different things, you know, from the temples you can go to or the shrines. Yeah. Um, from the foxes, um, the haikus. What was the other one? Um, the, the sword one where yeah, you the, cut through the, the targets. Yeah. Oh, the bamboo. The bamboo. bamboo sticks, yeah. The honorable shrines where you get swords. So, um, uh, the pillars of honor. Yeah. So it's like honor, I feel like they did a good job of littering like a bunch of different stuff springs. around there. I mean, yeah, hot springs. So there was so much to do, and I, you know, had no problem in doing it all because it was so 
beautiful in terms of the world. I will say this. I got tired of the, fo- the fox dens. I didn't get tired I whatsoever. Tired. I was like, I pet every fox I could. I pet, I pet every fox I did. But I got tired. I was like, I was like there's a lot of fox dens. The only time it really got me back into it was uh, the sad one. And uh, I think it was Act 3 uh, when there was a, a fox den where these people were killing foxes. Yeah, there was hell of like, dead I'm foxes. Murdering the, I was like, I was running with my fox friends and murdering people. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, y'all are going to learn that yeah. this is not how what you, you really do. And uh, so I think in the first act it does a good job of kind of opening up setting a good tone of kind of what to expect because at that point your health is still low uh you don't really understand too much of the combat you don't have your access to every stance out there and so i feel like that was probably my favorite part of the game personally in terms of difficulty oh yes because i feel like the more i was able to unlock uh, the easier it got. And it got to a point to where the game could not have been easier. And I played on hard mode. Mm. And the game felt like it was on easy or medium a lot of times. Mm. And so the, I liked how it introduced you because you had to do a couple of the basic questions for uh, Masako. You were introduced to um, Yuna. We all, yeah. Yuna, Ken, uh, Kenji, uh, Masako, uh, Ichikawa. Um, and so open up that cast your, of your side characters. Childhood friend, uh, Rizuko. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so I liked, you know, how you had to band almost everyone together so that you can free your uncle yeah. and kind of start this comeback against the Mongolians. Yeah. And well, I liked how quickly, uh, before I, sorry, I cut you off for a second. Uh, liked how Yuna was introduced as someone being like a thief and stuff and that she helped Jin, you know, start seeing like different ways to approach things. Especially because he didn't have an army behind him. Uh, I think uh, if I, before I get in, like, in the future about criticism of the game, I would see that if they were trying to show, like, really that balance between being a samurai and a ninja, if they showed, like, you could choose to have, like, units travel with you and fight in battle, then I might have been more samurai-ish at the beginning. But when you're by yourself, I just think it'd be goofy to attack a, a fort and not be doing stealth and stuff, not doing other things. But we also uh, don't understand honor. Yeah. And well, that's a big thing way, when it yeah. comes to it. It's like we do not have the same impression of like honor. It means that's something true. dramatically different to us. Uh, and Yuna, again, she wasn't even like a ninja or anything else. Yeah. This girl was just a survivor. Yeah. She and her brother went through quite a lot of hell for a long time and had to result into being a thief just to survive. And so it's like she had a very difficult life where the main character, Jin, he had a life of privilege. I mean, his father was a Sakai or was a samurai, so he was automatically born into a higher caste, which means he had access to a lot more privilege than anybody else and dealt with a lot less hardships. Because as you know, the Japanese still had their slavers and everything else kind of going through. And so there was quite a lot that you seen like what Yuna and Taka, her brother, went through just while they got captured as slaves for a long period of time. And so, yeah, one thing I didn't like, uh, because Springer, you learn a little bit about Jin's past and stuff. What do you think of his father's, you know, finding out more about his father and like his death and stuff like that? I thought it was like originally I was a little cold because when you seen the father originally die, he was like, help me. And I was like, what do you expect (laughs) this kid to do? This kid's like 10. Are you dumb? Yeah. Like, what do you genuinely expect from that? But then you find out later about the father that the father wasn't restricted to just samurai law. The father was very liberal in terms of he had no problem in using other options 
and his father and his uncle both thought a lot about kind of morality and the honor as well. I thought that was really interesting yeah, it and it made me kind of appreciate the father. Cause we, you don't really interact with the father obviously cause he's dead by that time. It made me really appreciate and makes Jin. You can tell Jin where he's like, maybe I'm more like my father than like this uncle that raised me. Yeah. Honestly, I wish they didn't have the father die the way they did. I, I would have liked him more of maybe like he went out, he died in that war they talked about before with that one army. Mm-hmm. So there'd be more hostility to help them, like all the the, the family that rolled that revolution that my uncle helped uh, by uncle help uh, seize down that your father died in that. Yeah, but he died by yeah. bandits, didn't he? Huh? Yeah, your father yeah, died by like bandits, bandit but it was like one bandit. So I was like, I, I, I just wish it was more. Tourism. I thought it was a few more than just one because the cutscene was just. Well, yeah, one. it was in the cutscene. It was might, one that it showed, but I thought like they fought, got attacked by a whole bunch. Uh, yeah. I just know that Think about us. the uncle went off, found that bandit that killed your father and killed him and cut his head off. Yeah. So like you got he got revenge, but I just wish Good I on know. the uncle too. <laughs> I, I just think I, I think I feel the same way as you when when the father's like to his son, help me or something. I, I uh didn't like that too much. I, yeah. I, I wish if he said something like he's like, Run, Jin, or something like that, I'd be cool or like hide or whatever. But even then it showed Without us knowing, it was kind of like a foreshadowing that showed that the dad already thought differently than the typical samurai. Yeah. Because no other samurai would have done that. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like that was minor foreshadowing that I didn't really catch at that time. And that, and that is true, because a lot of it was more like how, uh, as a game get, as a game progresses, then the different acts, you start to see that there's certain dynamics that the, the shogun uh of japan and how things are how they want people to be in this like cat class system where people need to know their place Mm -hmm. and if the people feel that they can rise and actually govern themselves and take care of themselves in certain ways and that why are we following this guy Mm -hmm. uh and maybe that's one of the reasons again uh we don't know about the honor system of japan but and honestly, it, it did work for many years. Japan was uh, a huge empire and big and up until World War II. I would actually disagree with you on terms what? of that. It didn't work because of their isolationist perspective. They were incredibly behind, and they found that out in World War II. They only but, found that out because we used atomic bombs. Yeah, but their whole system uh, before World War II, they realized how far behind in the world mm-hmm. they were technology-wise, trade-wise, economy-wise, they changed dramatically when they actually opened it up, like in terms of like the eras. They realized they were behind, and they realized, for instance, because they didn't have machine guns. Like, when, oh, by World like War II, they did, but yeah. Be, but the first what time I'm when saying they were is so before that, the yeah. reason why they got machine guns is yeah. because they opened up trade to the West. Yeah. That's how they got machine guns, which then made the idea of a samurai then obsolete. Yeah. So if they didn't do that, they would never have been even remotely close. And that's the problem with that isolationist perspective. Mm. If you're going to isolate your island while the whole world has access to each other, you will be left behind in technology. And unfortunately in war, if you are behind in technology, you're probably going to lose that war. Steel's better than bronze. And that's like how historically it is. Historically, whoever has the better access to more technology has the advantage when it comes to war and anything that comes after war. So it's like, was there benefits in terms of this? Yes. In terms of isolationists, that made them more nationalistic yeah. because the Japanese in war, there's not recorded one instance in any of the wars out they went to where they actually retreated from a foreign enemy. Never. 
That's never happened. And that's not been the case for UK, uh, for us Americans, Canadians, Germany, any other soldiers in the world. So the isolationist perspective probably did help shape them in some way that we don't understand. Because how is it not one person has ran away? Like in terms of war, war is an intense like thing. And so I think that really benefited them in that aspect. Yeah. But they realized when they opened up the power of a gun oh. and they realized, oh, we need to change quick because if we do not change, we're going to be at a huge disadvantage where someone will probably take us over at some point. Mm. And that's what they did. They took over the technology. And then what happened with Japan? They got super imperialistic. Then they chi- uh, they took over uh, China. Yeah. Then they went and attacked Korea. Korea. Then they went and attacked Russia. And it was a Japanese-Russian war. And that was on in history. So it's like the moment they realized they can't be an isolationist, what did they do? They went from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to access my imperialistic. Let's now take over as much as what we can. And that's what happened historically. I will say this. Uh, Japan is unique, and I, I might be wrong to say this, was that they were they were able to go do so much, and once they were, you know, that extreme, that when we attacked them in America, we made sure that they could never... Not that I, and th- this is me not knowing too much. I got to l- read, but I don't know if any other nation or country that has to have an agreement that they can never have their own military, big, uh, actual military unit ever mm. again. They only can have a defense force. Yeah, defense because force. We're at like, that point. We, you guys are never going to be able to rise up military yeah. again. That's how bad America wanted to make sure that they never could do that again. Mm. So. And that's because they realized how difficult it was to take over islands. When you realize that not one single person is going to retreat and you have over a thousand islands you have to comb through, that makes it the most difficult thing you can imagine in terms of war and logistics and what you can do with your own rations and your own military. I think we saw that in the Vietnam, too, because the bad thing was that every time we would pull back or move back they would just take back over the land so you'd be fighting back again and again well so, and that was also a huge problem in world yeah. war ii as well it's like you would fight for just a mile of extra land a mile into the mm-hmm. enemy's lines and then 10 days later ever all the people that died just so you can get that mile closer it's all been in vain because now they're back in the same spot or even in a worse off position i mean that just shows how intense and how much variables are in war because at this point war was still easy you didn't have to deal with a bomb that can shred 50 million people or yeah. five hundred thousand people they just dealt with face-to-face combat or at worst arrows it's a lot different when it comes to that yeah one thing's gonna actually devastate a unit quicker yeah i'll change things but back to ghosts um one thing about Act One, uh, I feel like it's it, like you said, it was like you get your bearings of the game, try to figure out, try to get your stances, take over islands real quick, look for mini quests. How did you think of the open world experience of Ghosts, per se? Like the, uh, well, the I thought they did a good job, music, and it looked incredibly beautiful. I mean, obviously, because this is one of the last real games that's getting released on a PS4. Yeah. I mean, they used as much of the PS4, I think, to the its ability as possible. Mm. So I think they did a good job in terms of that aspect. I don't see anything different aside from that, personally, than an Assassin's Creed 
and infamous or any other open world games where it's a very similar style in terms of they drop you right at it at the start now you have access but it's a bunch of for instance fetch quests or stuff that you're not really too interested in. I mean, like you said a little earlier, you didn't care about the foxes. Like it was cool seeing them, and it's like gimmicky. I think it was just too much. But when you though. do, when you have sixty foxholes, you have to go over over this island. You're like, okay, it's not going to increase my stats by that much if I go to that. Where is the real payoff? Mm-hmm. At least with the honor shrines, you had the sword skin, mm-hmm. and you didn't really have to do anything. But I feel like in terms of that or the haikus. Okay, the haikus was an awesome, really cool part. I liked them. But you get a freaking headband. Okay, how many I, headbands? I said some terrible haikus too. I tried. I tried hard on my haikus. I tried super hard on. There's a couple where I realized like I forgot what I put. Yeah, I like the idea that they did, but I wish they, like you said, they showed you what you said before mm-hmm. as you're doing. It, so you can be like, oh, I'm really making it because sometimes it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. I was like, all right. So it's I like I definitely tried, but I didn't like the fact that it only gave you a headband because you have access to own like a few different things for your head. I don't need 500 headbands. Damn, I, I wish I could see how your character looks because I I I, use, I rock my Sakai. Like there's a headband that looks just like your sword symbol. I rock that though. I, I rocked a it, I rocked a hood, uh, thief's hood with a bandana, uh, pretty much that like covered the that covered the actual mouth. And I was practically like a thief when it comes to the the headshot of that. I use a uh, Jin's like family armor through most of the game. Yeah. Uh, I would switch to the ghost armor if I'm like really doing heavy infiltration. But my major thing was Jin's armor. But I don't need that helmet. Let me have like I don't want them knowing my face. Okay. And that's like what my goal was. Yeah, that's cool. Um. One thing about uh the first act I didn't like as. Did you see this coming? Uh, your friend Rizuko. Did you already know immediately he's going to be a traitor? No, I didn't. So, with my knowledge of Japan samurai, and uh, please understand, a lot of this is based off one trip to Japan and a lot of anime, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is not exactly historically we're not his- accurate. We're not historians. We're not. But when I kind of uh, what was the question? Uh, like, did you feel that his friend, when Jin's oh, yeah. friend Rizuko okay. betrayed so, him, do you feel like when that I you when you kind of look at the history of Ronins, yeah. for instance, and you can see how Ronins, a lot of them had a lot of contempt for their, uh, I don't want to say their employer, for their lord. Yeah, I I can see that, and you could tell he had a lot of contempt because he had him and his uh, his friends had no money. So I bet you he he was very upset because he watched he's probably watched a bunch of his own people die of hunger when yeah. it comes to that. He didn't have a mu- as much options. Ronins were like blacklisted back then. You couldn't just find work as a lord. You were a bodyguard at best. Yeah. You had very limited options. So you can tell, for instance, like when he fought Jin in the past uh, for that tournament, um, that that really what put. Uh, Rio Zoko on the path of pretty much like of kind of the selfishness of yeah, the strange. less honor of the survivor path. That's what I call it. I call it the path of the survivor because in the end, that's all he really wanted was he yeah. just wanted to survive. He didn't care. He just wanted to live. He wanted so him now, to live in his boys. I remember him saying like uh, when you had a little small dialogue choice you could choose. When he's like, he's like, why did you fight me so hard that day? You know, why did you, you know, why didn't you almost like he he wasn't expecting Jin to actually take him serious and fight with 
like as strong as he could. He's like, you fought like a demon or something. I I yeah. see, and I got a different. I got a different perspective. I didn't okay. apologize. No, I was like, I was like I mean, I was you like, got your ass like, whooped. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, if you're my right. friend, <laughs> but uh, I got where he uh resented Jin for winning because Jin actually tried so hard. I got where he wanted because Jin already has status. He was already a samurai. Yeah. If Ryuzoka would have won, he would have been granted a samurai. Would have been allowed to eat. Would have mm-hmm. had like extra stuff. So he looked at it like you had this. You realize I didn't. We're friends. Yeah, you you could have let me win, and I could have genuinely been like in a better place you because would get of you. My, yeah, Jin would have had got mild dis like dishonor and res- disrespect, but not the same extent as his friend who would be able to rise up. Jin yeah. will always still. That be was his only chance samurai. to rise into a samurai yeah. at that like, point. Can be hired. So I felt like bad. there was he definitely lost. some resentment right there. So was I suspicious of my friend? Yeah. Hmm. But that's also my friend. I like I got like they were boys, but there was resentment there. So it's like for me, when I got the conversation, I always was very standoffish with him. That's why I didn't apologize. I was like, no. Hmm. Uh, this is how it worked out. I think they do one good job of tricking you of uh, when you first meet with your friend of letting you see how many like side stories you have. I think you get more than uh, you actually get uh, before his betrayal uh, at the end of Act One. But uh, I think this is what messes me up when it comes to uh, open world games. In that, be- at the point where we're about to go tech ca- castle and betrays me, and he's like, "All my men are starving and stuff." I pretty much conquered most of the first island of Act One. It's pretty much done. I only had to go take the take my uh, the castle back and. Yeah, but peasants are going to just give him food for no reason. We were sending people places. We were sending people to go get food and said, "Say, hey, this is a safe haven at a temple. There's monk shrines where the monks will feed you guys." We were sending people to things. I mean, I get it. What doesn't make sense to me is how you helped him save his Ronins from the mongolians and then within like two missions later he's now betraying you for the mongolians that would have killed his friends yeah that doesn't make sense if you're trying to protect these guys and Jin's also like if you help me out lord our lord shimura is going to help you and he's like ah you know what no because i i think the only reason i saw that is because uh that mission where you go save his friends who got captured you find out that they were been feeding them so they were captured but it's almost like that prisoner indoctrination thing. Well, yeah, you're it's like what Japanese did to so us. nice to say that, hey, if we rule, it's not going to be based off your family or this caste system. It's about if you're the strongest. Yeah. If you have the power, then you take what you want and stuff. I'm like, hey, I, it doesn't matter about my birthright. I can be I can be the, any person I want. And I think Ruzo fell harder for that because he felt like responsible because these mans, I'm the leader of these guys, and they got. I have to you know, take care of my men. Cause now I'm in a, a leadership of Lord that I never got to be. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure do by do right by my men. And his men may have left him and he may have felt threatened that his men will go to the Mongolians. And they even said, yeah. And they even said pretty much like they never said if he would have joined Jin, for instance, for Shimura, yeah. Shimura would have granted him title of a samurai. Never said anything about his friends. Yeah, no. And so it's like, this could have been the only path where he's like, I'm not just looking out for me, but I can actually make a decent living for my friends. But also, how could he trust him? And that doesn't make sense because these are the same people that would have no problem killing you at some point. And they killed a lot. In the first initial fight, they killed. He lost half his men. He lost his first leader. Mm -hmm. You're going to. It's almost like you're dishonoring 
that you're, name. You're Ronan thing anyway, because you already were the straw hat. But Ronan, Ronan also didn't have an honor system at that point. Yeah. Their honor was dramatically different than a real samurai. Mm. So it's like, it's a little complicated. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to, uh, so actually this would be cool. How did Act 1 end for you? Like, how did you feel like it ended? Um, Exactly what I thought, where I feel like I knew I would have trouble with Lord Shimura eventually. Yeah. I felt like there was a little bit because he was like, we're going to do this the honorable way. And I was like, that honorable way got a bunch of these samurai killed. Now you realize we have less samurai. You think a bunch of peasants are going to be like able to like handle that yeah. armor honor. That doesn't make sense. I also liked, for instance, by that time, you're already kind of introduced to uh, the side characters. Yes, yes, yes. By this time, you're introduced to uh, Masako Adachi because you have yeah, to do some Masako, of hers. Yeah. Um, you're introduced to, um, who was that other guy? Lord Shishimura. Uh, 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 Sensei you have to, uh, Ishikawa. Yeah, Ishikawa. Yeah. yeah, Sensei Ishikawa. You're introduced to Norio. Norio was the real homie. Norio was Act 2. Yeah. Came back oh, okay. That was the, yes. yeah. I, like, Norio, I, I thought more, he was awesome. I think all their stories were uniquely uh, powerful. I think that... If we did a countdown of people who got it bad, Norio's story, people got some bad things that were doing. But Lady um, Mas- uh, Masako. Masako man, had it the worst, woo! I think, out of the, everyone. The fr- like, I was like, with a sister like that, who needs enemy? Yeah. Man? I was like, she, damn. Not, Masako like, had it worse. I think Ishikawa yeah. had it the best because it was yeah. just the student. And even then, by the time it ended, like he was like, I'm glad it worked out like this yeah. way. But when it comes to how all their side, like the stories ended, Masako was the one where I'm like, and you heard her scream multiple times. Like she would let out a specific scream when she would fight. And it's like, you felt the pain that she yeah, went through because her grandchildren, and, yeah. her children, everybody got killed, not by Mongolians, by her own people, by Japanese. Yeah. And that and, was powerful. And it's so powerful where I even wanted to save that. So we could just talk about the tales because mm-hmm. all these tales hit lady Masako. Yeah. That, that's going to be, powerful mm-hmm. uh i think uh what i was surprised by like in act one when your friend betrays you as you go save your uncle and uh, the like games the enemy goes further up north and you're chasing after them was rizuko got but his butt kicked by me like i beat beat his ass he ran scared and called for the other guys i'm out there then act two when we get there he's like well i have to face you or either the weakest thing that he did and I disliked was that he was like, hey, say I was a spy and I didn't do anything. Well, he um, had to. That's my friendship and stuff. Because he's a survivor. That's what he had to do to I just, survive. I hated that so I much. understand. But again, if you do not want to die, it's your only chance to survive. If you're a Ronin, you do not have honor. You have survival instincts. Yeah. And, and, me, and, that I, makes and I guess the he's right because his uncle would kill him. And he specifically burned. said to Khan. There's a, not a man on this island that can beat Sakai in a fight. And I was like, imagine if you're a warlord and you get this guy and he's like, there's nobody on this island that can kill this guy. And you're like, what do I do? And, and, and I hear that, but I think the dumbest thing that Khan did was taught when he captured us. I'm tied up. Our, uh, our boy tie, is tied up to um, Taka. Taka. Taka's tied up. He goes, hey, Taka, you kill him. As to, like, break Sakai's mental. Because he wants to either have Sakai join him or, like, break him down. But I was like, you have him captured. Kill him. Kill Sakai. 
But if you don't kill Sukai, if you break Sukai, then you break Shimura, which gives you control of the island. If you kill Sukai, you make him a martyr. So now they're going to rally against that. Oh, they killed Sakai. Now we got to get revenge. But it's, from my point of view, Sakai's doing the most, like rising people together, forming units. So th- do you want him would, to be a, ma- a martyr then? Yeah, but Shimura, would, even if he's a martyr, he's a martyr for the cause of the samurai. And they can beat the samurai's tactics. Shimura was like, regardless, I don't care what's happening. We're going to fight it. Fight it this honorable way. I think he was fighting. It was m- more for the fact of. He didn't want to deal with an uprising. It's how do I destroy a fire and make sure nothing's going to start from this? And if I was to think from a similar perspective, and especially Mongolians and what they did in terms of they ruled by fear. That's what they did. Okay. So if you make this terrorist a martyr at this point, you're now giving people an extra cause to rally behind the death of this special person that has benefited your country. If you break that person to where they betray the expectations of people, now... There is no martyr at this point. You're able to break the will of people as a whole instead of using that work and not unite the will of people. I think it's just different in terms of if you're going to rule by fear, the best way you can do that is by giving in. And that's why, for instance, when a lot of Mongolians attack Chinese, they would uh, give him a option. You can surrender to us or we're going to burn and rape everything. And that's what they did. And so, of course, if you have a town right next to you when they surrender, they're not going to be your allies. They're not yeah. going to help out. So that then starts isolation because now you're able to turn one on the other. Kind of like at the beginning. Like if you think about it, one did it just been better for the con to kill uh, the main guy? Uh, uncle? The uncle? Yeah. It would have been better if he's an influential figure. But what did he do? He didn't try to kill him. Oh. He was like, I know how the Japanese work. I know they're going to rally behind a cause. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to be the case... Let me break the Japanese will by breaking this guy. Yeah. If he's going to follow me, they're all going to follow him. I'm not going to have an uprising. Yeah. It's going to be perfect. And talk to him saying, like, I know your samurai system, your codes. I'm uh, here to build. I studied a life. everything. Yeah. Like, if you keep doing it your way, you're going to hurt your people. This is the best way to protect you and your people. Are you trying to help your people? Or are you trying to hurt it? It's so manipulative by fear. It's it's authentic. And again, I genuinely think that's what a Mongolian would actually do because in historically Genghis and Kublai Khan did the same thing because they conquered from Ukraine all the way down to China. They met, they messed up a whole continent when it comes to that. I mean, to the point to where they, I thought they said like one out of 12 people was related to uh, Genghis Khan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how much like of like, fear he installed into the whole like con- content to the point where he killed so many people it lowered the carbon footprint in our atmosphere oh, so it's like if that's the case a lot of it's ruled by fear you have to be able to do something and by breaking the two most influential samurai figures that are left alive it would and also that would be a great warning for the next island that you plan on conquering as well. Because you can use that. If he's going to work for you. Now he's going to tell you different tactics. Who's on this island. Mm. I mean you have access to so much more. Little by little, yeah. So it's like I can see different sides. I mean it's just like how is it that you want to rule. Um, Moving on just to get more into act two. Of you know now that you saved your uncle. And you're rising up to take over islands. And hopefully rebuild a nation. Big thing is sending out uh, information to the Shogun to bring in additional units from the main island to uh, Tsushima. And then 
to retake the castle, the main castle hub, mm-hmm. or everything. Um, when it came to uh, there's little parts of like you taking forts and stuff. I like that when it was like sieges, you can't just jump out there and fight. That you can get killed real quick. It, it, a warning would pop up said mass too many people around here you get mm-hmm. murdered you would um, get murdered yeah murk real quick or uh that one place where if you're going up the mountain and you weren't going the right right way what was no that's act two right that was three that's act three uh cold. that's where you would die of coldness yeah, yeah, yeah that was act that's three. three anyway so that that siege was cool but how do you think of the when that that division between the uncle and the choice sakai made when he took over the castle and stuff when he took Castle Shishima, Shimura. Do you I think f- that was reasonable? And you, would you have done the same or would you done done different tactics? I myself would have done the same because in reality, you knew what was coming. This, the, You're predictable. Your battle tactics are predictable. It's obvious the Khan knows what you're doing. Yeah. They blew up a freaking bridge that killed a bunch of people. Okay. Now you want to rebuild and cross that same bridge again. And go to this doorway and retake a castle from the front with not even a real full army by that time. Most of the people were rallying behind Jin or peasants and people that got murked and families that still resented Shimura from the uprising itself. So it's like they didn't have a well-planned militia. They didn't have a good army. They didn't have well-trained soldiers. A bunch of them were farmers, traders, and survivors as well. Like, again, for like the uh, uh, people that dealt with the uprising. So it's like to sit there and be like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice all their lives for this honor. We're going to get through this. Yeah. It just shows the difference in mentality. And it's like, for me, it wouldn't make sense to needlessly sacrifice him for the sake of honor when you can actually fully get around him in a different way and make sure you can prevent any death. In my opinion, if you can prevent one of your countrymen's death, one Japanese death, if I can prevent that one death, I would do everything in my power to do that. And I think that's the biggest one I had issues with because I was like, Jen is only doing these tactics because of the enemy. Yeah. Like, the enemy's not playing by our book. They're not samurai who have these codes. Not like the that rebellion that we had where it was people from our who follow these samurai codes who know these battle tactics. That's why we all do it. These are our foreign invader who don't care about our things. So I'm going to do this. And after it's settled and done, I'll go back to being. I'll go back to being the code that we exist in. And if you think yeah. about it again, historically, America did the same thing. Yeah, we came from Britain, so we knew their tactics. We knew exactly how the British fight. They line up. There's a formation. They fire continuously, fire, and that's how they uh, go through most of their battles. And what did we do? We have to switch up those tactics. No. And British thought we were savages. There's like, there's no honor in that. There's rules to engagement. There's rules on the battlefield. And what did America say? No, we do not have that. We are a army of farmers, yeah. of people, of survivors at this point. So they did guerrilla warfare, pick and shoot, running guns, stuff like that. So it's like what Jin Sakai did is not much different than what we have seen historically in our real world now. Yeah. And by using poison i think that is a genius thing it's risky but it's incredibly genius it's something that like you said uh other nations have done we are the poison that jen uses uh is a poison of us dropping the atomic bomb or mustard gas that was poison for the for the jewish people from the germans i mean or no the mustard gas that was even that was used in world war one that they would bomb trenches with 
I mean, and that's the major thing is that type of warfare has been used all the time across different points of history. So, and that's what the Mongolians were kind of yeah. meant to do. Like it was, it was meant to for. So they were ruled by fear. Wouldn't it make the most sense to give them more fear? If that's what yeah. they respond to, if that's what they do, then you have to make them fear you. And what Jin did wasn't we're going to beat this and beat them in combat because if you just beat them in combat, what are they going to do? Oh, we lost based of combat. We're going to bring a bigger army over. Yeah, Let's strong. do it. But if now they're lost, they're like we we all got this village got killed in their sleep. Everyone yeah. got their throats cut by a ghost. That fear is going to be like, OK, even if we have a bigger army, I'm not going to like why I'm not going to have them fight. I don't know. One of my favorite things, with especially once you get certain armor, especially the ghost armor. They get that fear. I love when soldiers would drop their weapons and just take off. Like they're that traumatized. They're like, I'm out of this. I loved it too because <laughs> I shot everyone in the back. Oh, who ran? Every. Yeah. <laughs> I can say I killed at least 99% of the Mongolians I went across. Okay. Every time there was a random encounter, doesn't matter if it was a force, if it was in the middle of a mission, if it was a field, if it was rainy, if I was busy, if I was tired, if I was about to end the game, if I came across. Four Mongolians riding around, I would always walk up to them and be like, fight me <laughs> every time. I never like I never let a patrol pass my no. site that I did not go after. I just don't know how they got the poison, figured it out, uh, how to make it. Unless someone watched you as you were harvesting stuff. You know, the how the Mongols got the poison to start doing it too and did the same tactic. I'm assuming they just did like a reverse engineer. So they yeah. sat there. They're like, maybe my guess yeah. is, okay, someone poisoned a wine barrel. So they realized that there's poison in the wine barrel. They sat there and was like, okay, what around here can maybe have that same color? Oh, and, or that same. and I bet you it was trial and error. That's my guess. Yeah, you capture prisoners and have them drink stuff until you find one. That Why wouldn't you? Oh, that's true. So it's Getting like, things. that's what I would guess. I mean, again, with my lack of knowledge, that's what I would yeah. do. Oh, that makes more sense. Um, how did you feel about slaughter? I think once that slaughter mode was introduced, I think the game was even more easier. Well, that definitely made it easy. But the first time that happened, I thought that was so dope. Yeah, that was dope. Especially if you combine that with the Sakai armor, you can kill five people with the upgraded Sakai armor and then go immediately into the slaughter and kill three more. That's eight people immediately you can kill at the start of any battle. Oh, so wow. to me... I, like if you combo both of them, it was it made every single encounter. Like when I went into an encounter and I had both of them filled up, I was like, oh, I, I'm not worried. Were you good at standoffs? Um, I I was really good when it was killing three people. When it killed four, for instance, the four in a row, that was fine. But the fifth, when they added the fifth one with the full uh, fully upgraded. That right there is uh, the spear guys would always throw off my rhythm, and they were the ones that got me the most. I started getting bad, especially once the enemies got the stronger, more armored ones. Even the initial start standoff, they would flinch, and either I would fall for it or I would hold it, and they hit me before I could let go of the button. So mm -hmm. I was just like, you got to be quick and precise with that. Yeah. To the point where I was just like, oh, forget these standoffs. I Even though I know you don't suffer, you suffer the most if you let go too early then you do getting hit by it but still i was annoyed by it 
I, I definitely was annoyed by it. But yeah. the moment you had a smoke bomb after that, I did not give a single shit. Oh, I, I, I never use a smoke bomb. You can upgrade the smoke bomb to where it heals you. And oh, so yeah, I, I use the smoke bomb and you can immediately stab like two or three people in that smoke during that time period. So it's like you would just smoke bomb, assassinate, 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 dip. <laughs> and like it made it easy. I, I used every single one of those uh the ghost tools firecrackers everything i i would use the firecrackers and uh lure them under the chandeliers and catch everyone on fire oh nice yeah there's some texts i forgot i forgot about using that one as much i know my favorite thing was like bombs and explosive arrows i'll just be like if i see them riding in units i'd grab my explosive arrow out i just blast them just boom and then i run up and just start killing people yeah i was like sorry horses i'm sorry i was just murking people I think the kunai was the one that saved me the most. Kunai? Yeah, because I upgraded my kunai. Every ability that like benefited the kunai, yeah. I like made sure that was the first one I went after. And that saved me in so many times. Kunai was good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about your uncle choosing to, you know, on that emotional scene in Act 2 of him about to adopt you and officially make you his, son, his uh, rightful heir, but because of what you did and the dishonor that... Uh, of the other samurais we've seen uh, that came from the Shogun's units that he, you know, burns the adoption, the official papers and then throws you in jail. Expected. Yeah. Fully expected, especially with how honor-driven that uncle was. Yeah. But while we're in Act 2, let's kind of rewind just a bit. Do you have anything in Act 2 that really stood out to you? In Act 2? Um, but the... Only stuff that stood out with me when it came to Act Two was mainly like the the tales. That's what I want to focus on because Act Two brought up uh, more things with other people like Lady Masako and like uh, Noor. But uh, for story focused completely on uh, uh, Jin per se, I think um, I think the only thing that stood out to me really was just going home when I finally got back to the home and seeing and finding that armor. And going to those little shrines and talking to uh, Lady uh, Yuriko, uh, the maid Yuriko, and just hearing that tale. That was a really cute scene. There was one that confused me that wasn't positive on. And she was talking about when she's slowly dying and going like senile. She talked about spending time with your father after your mother died. Hmm. And I wasn't sure if she was saying that she, she and your father had yeah. a romantic relationship or if. It's just saying she just loves spending time with you after they found you in the forest. It sounded like they had a romantic relationship, yeah, okay. which would have been very common because lords at that point had a wife and they had a mistress. A mistress. Yeah. So that it was a very a concubine yeah. is what they called yeah, them. Concubine. Yeah. But um, what stood out to me was the um, the rant, the six duels you had to do in oh, the second okay. act that was spread across that. The oh, fact yeah. it, each one was like one was like near a waterfall. One was surrounded by leaves. Like each one had a really beautiful painted scene like that really kind of walked like when you were on the the ocean was in the background and you were on like the rocks like, oh, that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. I stumbled across a couple of them accidentally where I just yeah. seen like a bunch of swords or flags. And I was you like said the same thing, right? Where you found them before you knew I found two of them before I actually yeah, did so. the mission. And it's like, oh, you guys want to square it with me? Mm-hmm. All right. And straight up. There's not. I didn't lose to any of them. I beat the brakes off all of them, all of them embarrassingly. Like, wait, you are trying to mess with me? All right, destroy them all. So I liked that. Uh, that set to me in the second act. I thought the second act was the best one hmm. because I feel like it opened up the map a lot. 
yeah. as you said, uh, opened up more characters in terms. I feel like that's where the tales started to get interesting because they got less in terms of the intro, yeah, Baxville yeah. story. I didn't give a shit about that. Like I cared about the depth of these characters, and you started like that's when they introduced my boy Norio. I freaking love that guy, mm-hmm. and like Masako's tale started to get deeper, and same with Ishikawa's, mm-hmm. and so that's when I started realizing that from this point on. Now I'm finally having fun with the game. The game was all right, but I specifically noticed that it was uh, during the second act. I was like, okay, from this point on, I'm actually having a good time with this game. Now it's fun. I never thought it before the second act. I agree with you on that one. Because like even Yuna's story was uh, learning more about Yuna and what happened. Yeah, to her knowing that Taka. how her and Taka yeah. got completely violated by like again her own countrymen. Yeah. Like, they got freaking no. tortured and raped, both of them, by their own countrymen. And it's like going back and having to, going back and taking the head of all three of them was such a fun mission for me. I really enjoyed it. And I thought it, it was good. It, like, I like that. That mission made me actually start developing, like, why should I care about these characters? I didn't care about Sensei Ishikawa for half of his missions. Yeah, I thought he was a douche for yeah. a long time. And finally it got to the point where I was like, all right, you old saucy grandpa. You're really, like, kind of growing on me now. Yeah, Lady Masako. At first I was like, who would have done this? I don't like, like what, her either. What did they do? And she was just so mad. And then when I found out more things, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, none of this should have... All this could have been avoided. It literally, a person had the decency to say, let's talk about why this bothered me. Mm-hmm. Not do what they did. Uh, but, yeah, Act 2 was just, I agree. It was like the best part where everything built up. And you really felt like, hey, this is how it should be. This is the only way to make sure we do it. And that's when the even the con scene was like, Jen is taking over P. And that's when we had that scene where Ruzuko was like, you're not going to be able to beat Sakai. Yeah. Nobody on this island can beat that guy. I thought that was such a dope scene because I was like, you're right. Like, by that time, you've already killed well over a few hundred people by yourself. And poisoning them was cool, a cool scene. And then me having, even though I hate this part, was Ruzuko was like, come on, man. Just say I was a spy. Now go. And then thinking, I guess he had no other option. It was like, I guess I got to die fighting. Well, yeah, of course, that's going to be Rizuko because he knew Sakai was like, you're not, I'm not letting you walk away from this. Like, after what I seen you do, you stabbed me. We're not doing this anymore. You burned, you burned people alive. You betrayed my friendship. Yeah. Completely. And that, and that got shoved down my head. You had no problem killing your own countrymen for these foreign invaders. He had to die. And I'm glad because if they would have given me the option to kill him, I would have killed him myself. It's like, I will give you the honor. I will give you an honorable death. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all you can really do. In I, terms saying, of I was like, I was like, even if it was an option to let him live, it would just be like, what, what will be the point? Like, cause he already did too much. He already mm. went to, uh, I, if I, again, this is what it comes to open worlds where I, if we could have avoided that beforehand of all the stuff he did, maybe, or if I felt like, uh, he was more being like forced because of his man. But I think he just did everything. Like you said, to just survive. Mm-hmm. And he was gonna, he's gonna, uh, at first he was like, well, we only conquered the first island. We still got a lot of Tsushima to take over. But now we have, uh, now that you take it, reconquered Castle Tsushima pretty much, now there's only like a speck because the third map is like a little speck dot. Hella tiny. Easy target. It was like just running around. Yeah, so, it was well, like this is, three days this worth. Is, this is in the game. Uh, that he's just like, damn, now I got to get on my other winning horse. Uh, hey, man, just say I was a spy and I was getting information for you. I was like, 
I would have believed you more if you actually did sprinkle things and hints and stuff instead of actually having me be betrayed and knocked out and having Taka killed. I'm just like, forget this guy. Yeah. Again, I had no sympathy for him. Yeah. By that time, I was like, I'm going to enjoy killing yeah. you. This is fine. I'm Shanky. okay with that. Honestly, and she still gave him honorable death. I would have cut his head off. Yeah, me too. Fuck it. Fuck. The friendship was over the moment. The moment the moment you, you sold me. out your people, yeah. like uh, screw me. The moment and, you sold out your people for t- foreigners, and took your sword out and drew it on me. Yeah, and say, no, I'm here to kill you, my boy. I'm I'm riding. I'm going with the Mongols. I was like, what? I try to get your people food. Literally, we take this castle. We went. We take this fortress. Ju- we're gonna have food. Not just that. I went with you on a ship to a Mongolian ship. Like obviously, we're on a yeah. ship now. To get you food based off your information, there's no food. How is that my fault? <laughs> uh, or that, when it was burning, it was like, well, I was like, it's either we die for some sacks of rice or we get the hell out of here and do something else. <sighs> yeah. Uh, let's let's move on to the final act and then we can get jump into the tales. So uh, act three, killing the con. Um, I like the beginning of this one. Like, how did you feel? This this is the part. The beginning of act three is where they did be dirty. Like. Uh, it brought back Red Dead Redemption 2 vibes of them killing my horse. Hated the it. raw disrespect. So disrespectful. Like, what's the point of choosing a yeah. horse, giving it a name? And then and then a, a, thing, a pop-up saying, this will be your horse for the, for the whole, whole game. That's a lie. I was like, like you liar. I've been lied to by a game get, in so long. Just told me to get another horse, and I was like, they, they're so dirty. I, my, my other horse wasn't even an option anymore. My... Because I started off with a black beauty horse named Shadow. Yeah. I ended up getting a white horse. Yeah, mine was, uh, I call it, it was black, but mine was called Kage. Like Kage? When, yeah, yeah, I was Kage like, Shadow, yeah. So, I was, I was stoked off that. And then he died. And then what does it do after that? It gives you, for just a little while, a bullshit oh, farmer's piece of crap, ugly horse. looking, pathetic, scrawny, weak ass farmer horse. And I was like, and at that point, I was like getting banners of flags in order to get me new horse saddles. Like, saddles. Yeah, the saddles. Once I got that horse and I knew I couldn't do anything with it, I was like, I what's stopped. the point? I didn't even go back. I didn't. Actually, the moment my horse died, I, like, I was able to collect two or three saddles by the yeah. end of the game. I never went back to him and got the yeah. saddles. I never cared. Me neither. Even with the new horse, I still didn't go back. I was like, stick with this. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, but do you see it? It was just crazy that I understood like you're a prisoner and you had to be judged by the con, but how quickly they were going to try to kill you and how much they wanted you dead. And your horse was ride or die. Just kept going even though it was bleeding, slowly bleeding. That horse was such a that was a real MVP. And I love that they they honored it by saying like they made named the area like uh the shrine of a a friend. Mm -hmm. Uh that was like really cool. Uh and then you got the poison arrows and that started. Yeah, and that once you had that poison, it was like, All right, it's over. Yeah. Now now I I was already killing archers real quick, but now that I knew they had poison arrows, I was killing them even quicker. I was running up on those archers. Oh man. Ah, I never worried about those archers whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Only because they always announced what they would do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah mo- would you would hear, oi! And then three <laughs> seconds later, they would do the arrow. So it'd be like, oi! All right, in two seconds, I need to dodge. And I never worried about it. Like, that's true. I forgot they did. So. Now, if... And that's... That's one of my gripes about the game is because Last of Us would not have done that. Yeah. And what I mean by that is Last of Us would have done oi if there's multiple people there because they obviously want to alert their friends i don't i'm about to shoot but if it's by themselves one-on-one they wouldn't say 
like alert yeah. anyone to do that. Where yeah. Last of Us, if it was one on one, they would have changed the character uh, interactions to where they wouldn't have said that. There was more details in group and uh, isolated di- dynamics than there was in this game. Yeah, and and this might be something I'm looking into to see if the difference between you is because you played on a harder difficulty. And when I played on normal, so did you feel when it was harder? Did units surround you, or sometimes they really give you that one-on-one fight? I've, I'm straight up, dude. After the first act, I've never felt like the game was difficult. Yeah. Like so, they never. I never, never thought of felt that. Surrounded or no? Because I was. They give you so much tools to work with. Just a smoke bomb alone that heals you. Okay, that alone. There's another one where it's like every time you kill someone, it gives you life. Yes. Like there was so many different things that kept you from dying to where I genuinely felt invincible. By the time I fought the con, the con only touched me twice that whole battle. Okay, I destroyed it on a hard mode. You should not. I shouldn't be able to do that. But I fucking destroyed that guy. He was like to the point to where I killed him, and I was like, "That's, <laughs> That's it. like I." When I finished that fight, I was shocked at how that was the final guy for the fight because he was so much easier than um, the first time you fought that guy. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was going to be... I really doubt that it was going to be a long, drag-out, one-on-one fight. And then when the fight came, he was just sending... He ran away, and he was sending wave after wave of guys at you. I was just like... I remember saying out loud because he would hide in the ways of guys while he would attack you. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and I couldn't tell the difference between him and the average guy because of how I would run through them. Oh. That's how much <laughs> I ran through them. Like, yeah. it, the game could not have been he easier for me. He was scared. Like, I think they did a good job showing like how terrified he was of that you were just mowing down people in front like it was nothing. Especially your uncle coming up and showing he's like, oh, damn. He was trying to get the hell out of the island. He was yeah. like, I gotta get the hell. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, when you burn that shit with all the poison, yeah. he was like, oh, I loved it. <laughs> like, they did a good job because he started, like, you really did start to see real fear. It went from yeah. confidence and arrogance to very cool, like, how he killed Taka to, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, I like that. Maybe I should have killed you when I had the chance. Yeah. It was powerful. Um, yeah, the combat, I feel like I flew through. What do you think of the final thing of um, going to go see your uncle? Yeah, you, the time. final fight was yeah. the Shimura, the yeah. real ending at that yes. point. I mean, I thought it was a pretty scene. I genuinely thought fighting uh, some of the earlier guys uh, were harder in terms of like the one-on-one samurais. Yeah. I think the my uncle killed me twice. Okay. And so like he got me twice before I was actually able to finally get like finish the job on him. And then it gives you like this bullshit choice sequence that like I felt like that was really gimmicky to be honest. Yeah. I even looked at it like both ending or the other ending online and was just like there's not much of a difference yeah. between the two. I think it was goofy because to me the moment that came up I was like I'm not gonna give him what he wants. Yeah. I was like I was like you're right. I'm if I'm dishonorable then I'm not gonna give you honorable death and I care I still care about you. So even even if you're so big that if I need to be the ghost and and flee. The rest of my life in order to protect this island and not be that ghost. I was like, after I just gave you that asshole, what are you really going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like that's a, I looked at it like, what can you do to me? There's no. All I would do is I would have another leader come to this island, and I think you're a better leader than any other person. Exactly. Know. I was like, because you, you, we have a connection. If it was something else, you might do some dirty ass shit to your people. At least you love the people, Tsushima. I'm just a spy that's bothering you. 
Um, do you see this game having a sequel? Ghost of Tsushima. Do you see yourself saying a uh, 2022 Ghost of Tsushima 2 coming out? Well, I feel like you can't have a sequel. Like, if you did, it can't be called Ghost of Tsushima 2 because you can't be on the same fucking island. So it's like, what, you should be the Ghost of Tsushima on, like, Nagasaki or something else on a different island? That just doesn't sound right. doesn't sound like a real flow. It sounds kind of contrived. I don't know, dude. I don't like it. So it's like if they change it to, like, Ghost of Japan or Ghost of that different island or something like that, I can see that. Would it be a different character, though, or would you... I would be okay with being Jin Sakai because it's like if more Mongolians are attacking different islands and you're like, hey, I took care of this one island. Now I'm going to move on to a different one. I'm completely fine with that. I think that would be really cool. I just wouldn't like it be calling. I wouldn't like it called Ghost of Tsushima 2 if I'm not on Tsushima. Defeats you just want the ghost name and yeah, you, ghost yeah. Of well, yeah, they'll call it the ghost. Yeah. So it's like, I'm okay with that. I just, wouldn't it be weird if it's called Ghost of Tsushima 2, but you've never once been on Tsushima? Yeah, in that you game? can't go back to it because you already conquered the whole island. Exactly. And, and it's like, it's not like they can pull a far cry where they're going to magically change the whole like area. Yeah. They would reuse the same map because it, it's not yeah. like the island's going to grow. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the shrines now have are rebuilt and stuff, and there's certain other things. Maybe there's uh, the Mongols now have uh, gun torts and like fly down, but that'd be way. way but that wouldn't be so, historically yeah. accurate, yeah, so that'd be lame shit. <laughs> like the, the arrows already is cool. Um, yeah, I don't think they could do it. Honestly, I don't think there should be a sequel. I think I liked it how, and I could see maybe a DLC if they ever decide that. But I'd rather them do a di- their own different game and uh, expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Um, but yeah uh, and how the game ends was I, I was pretty happy with it let's jump into the tales let's jump straight into it and just talk about each by each I kind of listed them the, the, how you approached them so the first tale I want to talk about is what were your thoughts on Sensei Ishikawa's uh, story I hated him and I genuinely didn't really care I feel like once it got fr- uh, to I think it was like the 6th side mission out of eight or nine yeah that's when i was like okay now i'm starting to really be interested because now you're starting to see more of uh his student who is a survivor and pretty much just trying to survive and like his own thing of like i just trained someone to kill all my people i should have been a better so i liked pretty much getting you to know ishikawa really through his gruff exterior and really kind of knowing like where he stands and how he was teaching Jin. I mean, don't succumb to the ghost. You are not the ghost. Yeah. When it comes I liked to how it. he, I like when characters do voice say, Hey, you're kind of different. It's like that style you're training is not what your uncle would appreciate or what you yeah. were trained to do. Like, I'm not like, going to judge you, but Hey, heads up. Like, that's going to give you some problems later. I was like, and him saying like, Hey, I'm not going to uh, be the sensei of another monster. I'm not going to teach another monster. Mm-hmm. So that balance of that, uh, but honestly, I, I at first, especially the same way, like once episode six got, I almost thought I would have to end up fighting Ishikawa. I thought he was going to try to fight me in that Tomo Tomoe Tomoe was was like right. She was like, hey, he was going to betray me in some way and didn't like me in certain aspect. But yeah, it was. I think it was out of the tales besides one like Kenji's. It was one of the weaker ones and of like things that happened but i did like T- tomoe and i like 
how it ended. See, uh, I don't need like, and for me, I didn't get like any weak vibes from this tale because yeah. I liked, for instance, like she would tie up people and use them for target practice. Yeah. And there was like some darkness going in terms of training Mongolians, Japanese archery and the repercussions for that. Not that they would need it because people forget to realize Mongolians were amazing archers themselves. Yeah. They revolutionized archery from them yeah, and the ability to bow, ride right? on horses and perfectly aim really well. And so, again, there's some things that bugged me in terms of that. But going forward, how that story ended, I thought it was I thought it was a great ending. I, I was Did really you have wanted the choice of killing her or letting her live. I mean, you can give us the, the choice. Sure. I wouldn't have done it, okay. especially because when you followed her through. I knew who I knew, I knew it was her immediately. Was her too, I, I like and just like Jin, he was just like, I know who this is. Like, yeah. you, well, you didn't put a knife in my back. I'm still here, so you can't be that bad. Yeah. I liked yeah. that aspect. Or when she had him dead and rice and she didn't do it. Uh, and I could see it like she was like, hey, I, I tried to give people mercy, and she was able to explain things that made at least uh, some sense to everything that was going on. A survivor. First, I can't yeah, get mad survive, at that. Yeah. She came from a survivor mentality. Yeah. She was. Was, was born in, yeah, a, in a messed death. up town. So, I again, I the fact that she left, she left alive. I was, I myself was really grateful. Um, let's move on to uh, Lady Masako's tale. Uh, this tale was the most messed up, in my opinion. Close to Norio's because something happens in his, but this was just devastating, uh, especially once you find out. I feel like Yuna's was a little bit more messed Yuna's? up. Yuna's, yeah. uh, Yuna's was a so- but you re- like, yeah. Masako never got raped, okay? Yuna did. Her brother Taka did. Like No, she I thought Yuna said she stopped Taka from possibly being raped by no, taking that guy and no, taking it. The, well, like she was like there's reasons why Taka doesn't remember like some of the oh, things that yeah, happened. Okay, that's true. It's so like that's real trauma when yeah. it comes to that. And she was like uh she that's made like a mention of how like guy. one guy tasted bad because he must have forced himself to kiss her mm-hmm. and how like the other guy was brutal and like would constrain her. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely some real violent violating stuff that I'll happened. I'll say this everyone's story was pretty fucked up on the de- 100%. Scale, yeah. Especially I mean, once every- you know about the monsters aren't just the mongos, it can be your own people and well, stuff. Well, I mean, that's, obviously, that's how it is yeah. in every fucking yeah, but story. Still that. But Masako was messed up in terms of her grandchildren, her children. I've never been a, like, I'm not a parent, let yeah. alone a grandparent. And if you're a grandparent and you're like, my, I outlived my grandchild, yeah. that's a terrible, terrible feeling. And you don't even have time to breathe, to process it. She didn't really rest. Like, she was ragged through most of the campaign when it comes to that because she was exhausted. And so it's like, and Jin many times was like, are you taking care of yourself? Are you yeah. eating? Are you sleeping? Because you know she wasn't. Yeah, she didn't and have no time to, like, To sit there and be her. like, I, I liked it because it's like uh, Masako went, uh, they kind of touched on her uh, lesbian relationship with, oh, like, yeah, one of the girls. Was, yeah. And she didn't kill her. Like, so I was really grateful, like, that that wasn't the case when it comes to that. And how it just, like, that had some sweet like a tender moment there but also how you seen how it really all there was a real big picture i thought masako was kind of going crazy myself yeah i, thought I was, was like wrong. maybe you're yeah. being a little dramatic and then you find out she was right one thing led to another led to another and then you find out the real culprit yeah and what did you think about that um one of the scenes i remember from when this uh ghost of shishima was first shown uh that big battle they show in the the trailer was uh, you fighting Lady Masako, having a little duel, 
And as things are burning around you and as the Mongols are riding up to catch up to you guys, although that was really cool in her story, but when, it, when I realized about her betrayal and all of it came back to her sister uh, feeling betrayed that Masako took the life that she deserved as being the firstborn of her husband, who is his own samurai, seeing her sister but liking Lady Masako because she could fight and she was a warrior. And it's like, hey, I want her to be my wife. And then Masako thinking she was doing a kindness by letting her sister still be a lord, but to a person that just is a widower. But she didn't know he was a drunken asshole. But to her sister, she thought she did it out of malice. Mm-hmm. And to the point of holding that, that deep hate and hatred in so long that you were willing to act cool. And during the invasion of the everything going on with the Mongols and stuff and people going off, that you use your plan to kill you know, your, your nieces and nephews and all these people and then fake your own death to make it seem like you were, you're part of it. It really reminds me of one of the quotes from this anime called classroom of the elite, Mm. where it says, uh, what is evil? Uh, whatever springs from weakness. And it shows in what she did is a form of evil because she had children parents she had everybody killed yeah when it comes to that and it's all based off her own weaknesses of not communicating not having a, a legit real conversation but this also is like one of those things where it's a cultural thing i don't think we'll ever understand because yeah. the japanese aren't exactly known for expressing vulnerability they actually do not have a word of vulnerability in their language their word of vulnerability is weakness, and they do not express weakness, and that is a huge problem right there. So they do not know the difference between expressing a vulnerability and showing weakness. To them, they're the exact same, and weakness is death. Weakness is dishonor. Weakness is a disadvantage, where a lot, and even now, a vulnerability could be a strength. It could, there could be a lot from it. So it just shows us culturally. I mean, there's some things that we'll never really understand because we've never grown up like that. But it also shows, like you said, a lot of this really could have been avoided by standard conversations. Masako had no ill intentions on her sister. But she loved her sister. And that's the thing. It makes it very difficult. But again, it shows. And that's why, you know, these tales, some of these stories to me, we're better than the overall main story of the game. Because mm, yeah. there's so much depth in the nine uh, missions you play for this girl of what you do and in between. One uh, mini side story, like finding like techniques. There was that little, uh, girl samurai who had that, that sword, that cool cut down move. And Jin could take the style by just watching how you do it and learned it. Mm-hmm. That, that style made me <laughs> When she's like, no, <laughs> I taught you. I made me laugh. Um, yeah, I just think it was messed up. One of the goofiest parts about her story was remember when you were following those two guys and you guys get separated yeah. and come back and they're like walking up to these bandits. And I was like, you guys are out of the middle of nowhere. And then you guys are like, you guys are like, oh, this is nothing. I was like, those guys walked up to those bandits. They seen hella bandits. They walked up they like, said, hello. We're going we're gonna to blackmail you. We're going to try to blackmail you in the middle of the night, surrounded. Oh, what? you all have weapons? Huh, cool. Oh, we didn't bring a single weapon? All right, all You right. know, you don't do what we say. You don't do what we say. It's like, oh, well, you get killed. Yeah, it's like cover up the tracks. But there was also like one moment that I thought was really cool where you were with her and you seen, um, it might have been her or it might have been somebody else, where somebody was walking into an ambush 
and I noticed that there was a bunch of people from the outside that was waiting to ambush like us. And I was able to like cut them down kind of before they oh, finished yeah. the conversation. But it's like, I noticed it cause I walked up on one and was like, why are you here? Butchered him, cut the other person's throat. And then I noticed across there was like a bunch of people standing on a cliff. So I walked around with them while like the two story people were having their conversation. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, he like was like, uh, all right, get him. And then there was nobody because I killed them all in the background. It was like a very natural <laughs> feeling. It felt really good. So, I mean, there was some really cool things in terms of that. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, I just thought, did they show her or did she just go, Lady Misako just go in the room and kill her sister? Did he show her like, it wasn't as like bloody and devastating like her swinging the sword down, down, right? It was more like. She's like, I got to kill you kind of thing. I think so. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest. I don't remember that too much. So I know you walked out before she yeah. does. It was things. like, which I would have done in real life. I would have been I like, like, this, I was like, is, yeah, this you. is your this choice. Is not me. Um, Let's talk about Kenji's tale real quick. Let's knock it out. What do you think of Kenji's the sake trader and stuff? I thought a lot of it was just like him getting himself into. He pissed me off. I would have let that guy die. <laughs> I've been like, you, you, you try to steal from like bandits multiple times and then you want me Trick to kill them. Yeah. Like you're the bad guy in this situation. You want me hey, to pay? I your tricked dad. him. You want me to pay? Oh, you're mad that I stole from you. Oh, hey Jin, go deal with this. Yeah, hey Jin, help me out. I was, I thought it was a little weird, and Jin's like, well, you had good intentions, yeah. so I guess I could do that. Yeah. I don't at like least that. I'm killing some Mongols, so it's not too bad. I don't like that whole like yeah. lesser of two evils type of thing. I would have yeah. let him die myself, but I guess he had good I think they kind of try to say that once Taka died, uh, he was not he was going to change. He's like, hey, man, that kid was really kind and nice to me. And, you know, I want to be, be better because he gave sake, free sake to everyone and wasn't hustling after that point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's jump into your boys then. Um, no Rio, what you, what, you want to lead this one? I really liked Norio. I liked his interaction. I liked how he was actually influenced by the ghost in terms of that. Because you've seen him getting more colder and more cutthroat. Kind of with his missions. And he still had to deal with kind of his brother dying to protect these monks that didn't really give two shits. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really care. They were like, they were were more peaceful. He's a warrior monk. They were like, I'm not fighting. Uh, I'm going to help out the Mongols because we're healers and stuff. And I think that's powerful, but it's just one of those things that was like, oh, so it's something a- that's so foreign to me, but I can see, you know, that's your call, that you're dutiful to your beliefs and saying, hey, I've got to help help and heal people when they need it. That's but I felt like he was, uh, to me, he, he was the only one that gave me the real ride or die. I mean, of course, most of these people were ride or yeah, die Yuna for Jim. Sure. Yuna, like 100%. Well, I feel like she or he... Uh, Norio was definitely on Yuna's level yeah. in terms of what do we need to get done? I got you, mm-hmm. and I really like that. Especially towards the end. Um, I wanted to talk about two of his uh two things that I thought was messed up. What do you think of when you found the headmaster's body, the guy who like jumped from the 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 cliff, and you find him just like he finally bled out in the cave, but he wrote uh the letter, his last little message of peace kind of thing. I thought that was incredibly dramatic. And a little Japanese like. <laughs> what about the brother being alive and having his legs and arms cut off? Remember when you go in the temple and he's just laying there? I thought that was messed up. That like, was, yeah. but and that one also reminded me of like what real Mongolians would do. Mm. And so it's like I felt like that was the most realistic thing because they're meant to rule by fear. Yeah. 
It's, it's just like one of those like, tests of devotions. There was this book I read called Silence uh, that was extremely powerful, and it was about like how how one uh, interpret interprets their religion and their beliefs, and how do you balance your beliefs when it comes to people's lives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a powerful thing with that where uh, these people are so devoted Catholics to their beliefs that um, the Japanese have them uh, walk on the this idol picture of Jesus and say you got to step on it. And in order to torture these uh, Catholic priests, they don't torture them physically because they're like, I know you guys want to be uh, become like a martyr like Jesus and say, hey, if Jesus could do it, I can do it. But instead of that, they have them torture Japanese people who believe in Christ. And what they come to find out is like the Japanese don't believe in believe in God, but it's a different interpretation of their God. So it's not exactly Japanese the same. was all about spirits and multiple gods. Yeah. Yeah. But they start believing like Christ, but they made it their own like God in, in a sense mm-hmm. to be a mixture of their gods and Jesus. But I think the power thing was just like the priest is like so against like dishonoring God that one of its headmasters, that's why they went there, was to say, hey, why does stepping on this idol that de- definitely doesn't represent God is a betrayal to God? Mm-hmm. Why would why would you why do you care so much to be a martyr? And being equivalent to Jesus when you're not Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes you, the better, the greater good is you can save these people's lives and still in your soul be have your beliefs. Yeah, they just believe that you're you're betraying your God and bad. And I think that was just a powerful message too. Of just like, hey, sometimes you know uh, that they they try to do that to his brother, like when he cut his arms off and his devotion. His brother felt like, man, I I wish he'd done more, but he did all he could and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. There's sign. There's a limit to humanity and stuff, and that that fallibility. So yeah, I like Norio. I even liked where you had that little day. We're gonna attack at dawn, and you go to sleep, and then you wake up, and he's already attacked the village, and he went full, basically full you. Yeah. It's like cool, cool seeing your own destruction of how how devastating you can be when you're not the player. Yeah. And how he was. I almost thought you. We almost thought I would have to fight him, but he got cooled down kind of realized that hey he was just so angry about what happened to his brother yeah and then uh Yuna's tail i liked her tail yeah i thought it was cool do you think any romance between you and Yuna? you think there was personally just- i did i All genuinely right, I did i was like, I was like at the very end of the game when she's like okay you attack here we'll both hit him from different ways and i was like wait you're splitting up I thought that was dumb as shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really did. I I figured those two would have gotten together because there's many times where uh, if you reflect uh, in the hot springs, uh, Jin's like, how long has it been since I've seen I touched a woman? And, yeah. like, you could tell that's genuinely bothering him, like, as is. Yuna saved his life. They were both really close. Yeah. You know, Taka died, so they got brought together even closer yeah. by, like, trauma. She even, said, she even said, like, if you die... Jane, I won't have anyone, you know. Yeah, I won't have anyone I left. Need you to stay alive. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like there's definitely something. I mean, I can see it potentially in like a second game. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, and that's fine. Sometimes that believe I think it was believable enough to say, hey, there's a big war going on, battles. We got more important Sometimes stuff to deal with. But also that's yeah. not the case because usually when like historically, if you know, for instance, you're going into a battle and you're gonna die, most people usually go on and try to have sex it is yeah. a natural human biology to release to your release seed it. to continue because you expect to die you remember mass effect the first game mm-hmm. where your friend uh you can choose which guy lives or dies this big uh, nuclear bomb explosion of happens. course i'll never forget that. after that the annoying the guy <laughs> or the girl you're trying to sleep with annoying guy girl you're trying to sleep with 
That guy was like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. I'll let him die. I didn't think he was knowing, but yes. I that guy annoyed the shit out of me. He bitched every Ashley. single time, every interaction. I hated that guy. But yeah, I just thought it was like one of those funny moments where it was like, man, I'm depressed, man. My friend died. Your girl comes in. It's like, you let me live. You fuck. No. Like, See, that didn't happen to me because at that time, uh, you let, I let him. Uh, I was already dealing with the death of my friend. Yeah. And then because I flirted with her and the sorry girl, both of them at that exact moment was like, Oh, oh choose one of us. And I remember I sat there. I was like, bitch, my friend just died. This is not the time to make me choose. And then I was like, can I have both? The human girl was like, oh, fuck this guy. The sorry was like, thanks for choosing me. And I was like, I didn't choose you, but uh, <laughs> right. I guess I guess this <laughs> yes, is what I got. I'll never forget that. That was one like because I was late to school the next day because like it took me a long time to make that decision. <laughs> <Just read it. laughs> oh. Yeah, that one was really good. Uh, yeah, man. Um, anything? Uh, that's all for the tales I wrote down for people. That was really so overall. Like fight I mean, combat. when it comes to final impressions of the game, would you recommend this game? Did you have major gripes about this game? Like, was it as good as what people said? The average score for this game is nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Um, I enjoyed the game, but I think it was overly praised. To I think people hate. And this is my my opinion. I think people hated Last of Us, disliked the direction Last of Us Two went. So they just was praising this game so much. To me, honestly, I, I thought the game was uh, fun. I like the story. I like the characters and stuff. But to me, I felt like uh, a seven. To me, mm-hmm. I, just, I thought you know I played the game. It was cool, but it's not a game where I'm gonna remember. It's definitely felt like a game where after I finished it, I was like. I can go take this yeah. to... 10 years down the line, we're not going to be like, hey, remember that part in Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah. 10 years down the line, we'll be like, hey, remember Mass Effect? We're always yeah. going to know when it comes to that. Remember Skyrim? We're going to know a good amount when it comes to that. Not Ghost of Tsushima, though. When I think of Ghost of Tsushima, I think of a beautiful game because it is in the, yeah, it's it's the game that had amazing music and tone, and I like that aspect. But I still feel like, aside from the main quest with the side characters... Those tales, aside from that, I felt the game was incredibly shallow because most people don't care about the fox quest. Yeah. Most of the skins for your sword was pretty damn dumb. Yeah. I level maxed out leveled my character, I think, right when I got into the third act or halfway through the second act. So that means I went through a huge chunk of that game without leveling up at all because I was already max level. So that annoyed the crap out of me. I felt like the level system was a little ridiculous. But maybe this is also my fault for not letting any Mongolians live. I don't think the game took that into account. I think they probably expect you to pick and choose and not kill everybody you ran across. And I wish that uh, with some of the side stories, it was more, more... There was like some interesting tales where it's like, hey, people are doing this to survive, but I wish it was more like spread out and not all... It, not all of it was just like, hey, go to this area, fight, go to this area, fight. All right. So, or take, come back here. It's like more little things like that. Uh, like there was an interesting one where a girl family gets killed by bandits and you get revenge. And she like was in love with a bandit leader and they killed her whole family yeah. and she feels bad. So you kill the, you kill all the bandits, come back and she commits. I remember that one. She throws herself in a river. And drown yeah. Cause she felt so guilty of what she did. Um, and I like that though for this fact that it reminded me of those old school samurai stories like Samurai Champloo yeah. where it's like you don't 
there's not a happy ending every single time. There's yeah. really not. Even if you kill the guys, even if you get your revenge, it's not a happy ending. People's lives don't magically just change because of that death. And I feel like that's incredibly realistic. She has to live with that guilt that most people won't be able to live mm. with that. Your family died like because of that. Good everyone. But I think a 7 out of 10 for Ghost of Tsushima is more than fair in my opinion because a lot of it felt very hollow. It didn't feel... It felt authentic, but it didn't feel like there was real depth. Yeah. I felt like the island was so big and space-wise that I wish I saw other people fighting. So I know there was one mission where I was taking a fort, and there was these guys shooting arrows and stuff that was just randomly was there. I thought I was cool. They got murked, but at least I saw that other people were trying to at least fight back and like help me out. I but, would see that. I think it would happen during the third act yeah. where uh, you would see random uh, ballistas and like... Um, attack a village yeah and i would go over and i would mess up that whole thing destroy the ballista right. and then you would go to the village and they'd be like oh thank you yeah. and so it's like i liked ra- those random encounters but there's been there's so many other games that do random encounters better i mean i wish like red dead i wish it was like red dead in terms of you're going along this trail and somebody's like help me can you drag me to this place or can you do this yeah. thing and i like that aspect of it I, I agree with you. I think people were a little too frustrated with Last of Us. It's it's like because of that, they were looking to anything that gave them some sense of like, okay, this has to be better. Yeah. Because there's no way in hell I would ever put Ghost of Tsushima even near the same universe as Last of Us. Not Last of Us sure. is better in every single way, mechanic-wise, gameplay-wise, smooth-wise, look-wise. There was nothing that Ghost of Tsushima was able to do that kept up with this. The only time that they f- were close was music-wise. The yeah. score was great for both. The score was great. But aside from that aspect, I'm never going to look and be like, Jin Sakai was in my top 10 characters of all time. Yeah. It'll never and, happen. And was a game where I was like, uh, when I was doing little side missions and uh, before I finally go t- take go to the big mission where I just like turn music on or, or put on something to do this little side little quest. There's one interesting part where I found this one person who uh, uh, was just on the road randomly who told me like, hey, there's some uh, Mongols over there and I ran and the person ended up killing a Japanese citizen. It was like a hunch. And I had to fight the samurai girl. That was cool. Like those small random encounters that could give you some Red Dead vibes. But other than that, I felt like the world was so big that I wish there was a little more things besides go get awards and stuff. Or, or go so, to Fox so stories, Or like that one day where it's like, oh, there's uh, um, Kappas around here or these weird things uh, that you could actually go there and see. You know, I just wish it was uh, expanding that way. I think they would have done a better job if they would have definitely added a little bit more. Yeah. But what's cool, though, is the fact that we're not done with Ghost of Tsushima yet. Because by the end of this month, they should be releasing that co-op DLC. Oh, yeah. So we should have a little bit more to add to that. But I don't expect it to be like game-changing, breaking, or anything of that sort. I mean, if it was easy on hard, it's going to be easier with a homie. Like That's true. I don't know. And I think with this, uh, I would hope with this, they'll be more using like Japanese mythology creatures and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mixtures of things. Besides just... uh, demon-looking uh, mongols so we'll see mm-hmm. well as of now that is our kind of two cents about ghost of tsushima we will be back next week with uh, our next archive episode going kind of uh back into 
something else, either Witch Hunter Robin or something. I don't know yet. I mean, no. we're not really playing another game at this point. There's no new no. games that are really coming out. No. So I don't know about a new Minisode for a game <laughs> until we can think of something actually good. Yeah. But until then, this is Ernest and John. Thanks wow. for a little bit of your time. Play music? Oh, are, yeah. Are we, is that are what we're doing? Are we going to end it with a little bit of song? Okay. I don't remember if we did that on our final we one. We ended off with some uh, Last of Us Part 2. Well, music. yeah, that's just because that music was so beautiful. Oh, but in oh terms of this, ooh. You didn't. Ghost of Tsushima music wasn't that as popping. Um, I'm not like okay. If I look at <laughs> if I look okay. at Spotify, for instance, can I? Okay, the fate of Tsushima is that a good song? Don't know. <laughs> is that a good song? All right, forgotten song. Is that good? Last of Us. I could tell you if I look at that playlist exactly what are the good songs right. immediately. So I'm oh. gonna play the fate of Tsushima. I have no idea if it's good.